Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, does empathy have a part to play in leadership? Well, my next guest thinks it's key. I'm delighted to be joined by Mimi Nicklin. She's the CEO of Freedom and author of Softening the Edge. Welcome, Mimi. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Not at all. Can you define empathy as you define it in the workplace for us? Absolutely. Empathy is fundamentally about perspective taking. It's the ability to see someone else's world through their viewpoint um, and to be able to understand how they're seeing a current situation in the workplace, in life, without judgment or bias. Okay, I think that's a pretty apt uh, uh, description of, of, of the word empathy. So why then, Mimi, is empathy so important when it comes to leadership? You know, the world has changed so substantially in the last few years. And fundamentally, our need from the workplace has also changed. So the need to be able to keep our staff, to retain our businesses, to grow our businesses, relies more now than ever on being able to understand those people that make up our workplaces. When you hear phrases and terms around things like uh, the great resignation or the generation gap in the workplace, Empathy is a key um, skill set that we have to be able to fulfill those needs, to be able to really pull our teams back together after what has been and continues to be a very tumultuous few years um, and create teams that are cohesive and communicating. And of course, building that communication with our suppliers and our partners and our clients as well. So fundamentally today, those skills to be able to connect as human beings are critical for us to be able to grow our businesses. I talk a lot about balancing humanism with capitalism, balancing your people and your profit, and empathy is the key to being able to do that. Yeah, no, I think I think I think you're on the money there. But tell me this: it's probably well, it certainly has been an employee's marketplace for the last maybe certainly for the last twelve months. But there are some barometers out there that say that might be changing if we look at the tech landscape and that, that maybe, you know, the, the slowdown on recruitment and that, is there a danger that we might go back to the old way where, you know, empathy takes a back seat because you're glad to have a job? Look, I think empathy is a skill set that is here to stay. When I started my work on the book um, in 2019 and even uh, early in 2020, this understanding was very low. There was a very low understanding of why workplaces needed this skill set. I think that has changed. Well, it has changed monumentally in the two years that has passed. And if you Google empathy and leadership, empathy in the workplace today, you will find tens of thousands of pieces of content that have been built in the last 12 to 18 months surrounding the need for understanding in the workplace. So whether it's, you know, an employee's market or an employer's market, the needs we're talking about are human. The human race has changed in the last few years and will continue to do so as we face a world that is more anxious, more stressful, more sort of volatile and uncertain than ever before. So the need to be understood, the need to be seen and heard, whether you are the employer or the employee, I don't believe that's ever going to change. The world is so uncertain that regardless of who is making the calls, who has the power, our need as human beings will remain. And and do you think that maybe during the pandemic, a lot of people had a kind of a chat with themselves and decided that work maybe was no longer the most important thing in their lives. Do you think that that's a factor in all this? 
I think absolutely. I think people have reassessed what adds value to their life. And of course, we all need to make money, right? We all have to pay school fees and rent and all of these things. So we need to work. But I think what has changed is people's willingness to work at all costs. Um, and perhaps those expectations, particularly with the younger generations, to work, you know, 16, 17, 18 hour days on repeat has shifted. There is a higher understanding of our health and what health means. Um, and of course, quality of life. And when lots of that was taken away from us without, you know, our own choices, because our governments shut us down, shut us in for very valid reasons, that did shift people's mindsets about what is in my control. Because we suddenly realized that there's lots of things that isn't in our control, but how we work, the work we do and the hours we put in, those are up to us. Right. So in, if you look then at, I suppose, poster boy or poster girl employers, what should they be doing around empathy uh, in, your, in, in your view? Well, fundamentally, Bobby, what you measure manifests. So if you want an organization that has deeper understanding of the people within it and indeed their clients, and these are skill sets that drive ROI, return on investment, and the data for that is endless. When you look at productivity, output, profit per capita, tenure, loyalty, motivation, all of these fundamental business indicators go up when empathy goes up. So when empathy goes up, all of your business indicators improve and there is data around all of those pieces that I'm willing to share with any listener that wants to find me and ask for those. But fundamentally, if you want to be an organization that is led by understanding, both for sort of emotional reasons, because you're creating a happier, more motivated workforce, a more emotionally and mentally well workforce, but also because it's going to grow your bottom line. And fundamentally, that's why we all go to work. You need to create KPIs, key performance indicators, measurement around that. That's why I say what you measure manifests. This has to be a decision that you make as a leadership team to build in time and energy and a focus on these skill sets. And as I said, this has a, a direct impact on, you know, relationship with suppliers and output. So it's it's a very conscious decision. I suppose if we stand back from it, Mimi, you know, a happy employee equals a happy customer. Um, if employees aren't leaving, um, the cost of, of training up a new employee to replace one. Like it's it's fairly obvious that if we keep our employees happy and content, that it's got to be good for the business because, you know, it's, it's as I say, it's pretty obvious what the cost implications are. Absolutely, Bobby, you're completely right. And those, you know, keeping your staff motivated, consistent and loyal over time, of course, as you said, it impacts your customers and your clients, but it also impacts things like sales success and negotiation, which I was touching on right now. And of course, it overspills to areas such as mental health and well-being. When mental health and well-being is in better, sort of a better environment, all other indicators of the business go up as well. So things like creativity, strategic thinking, design, innovation, they also improve. A huge of that is connected to self-censorship. What we know is that when empathy is high, so when you feel like your boss, your team, your environment understands you, listens to you, sees things as you do, that doesn't mean they agree, but they at least understand you see self-censorship go down, right? People are more open to thinking creatively, sharing ideas, thinking out the box, suggesting new things, driving innovation. So as you said, whether it's your customers and clients or it's actually the product and, and service that you make and deliver, all of those indicators go up when people feel uh, better recognized in the workplace. Right. 
Tell us about your own business, uh, Freedom. I, I know there's, it's spelled F-R-E-E-D-M. Is that correct? It is absolutely correct. We're a business that's built on creating freedom. So we thought, well, in that case, let's just remove the O from the word as well, right? We have the freedom to spell it as we like. Um, so yes, so thank you for asking. Freedom is um, a branding and storytelling business that I run. Our headquarters is in Dubai, actually. Um, but we have workforce all over the world and clients all over the world. It was built out of the pandemic on the back of my book, um, Softening the Edge, that you mentioned in the introduction there. I spend a lot of my life focusing around how we build empathy to change the business world. And Freedom is part of that. Freedom is an agency that's been built to create freedom for creative minds and clients all over the world. I believe that if we don't learn from the pandemic, then what a waste of a pandemic. And I think what we one of the big learnings from this time is that the knowledge economy, the ability to tap into really brilliant creativity should not be bound by geographies. We should be able to find the right creatives and match them with the right clients, but also do so in a way that creates enough freedom to my last point around self-censorship that you get the best work. So we have unlimited holiday days. People are allowed to work from where they want, when they want. Uh, we do huge amounts of work in culture. And of course, all of that is underpinned, as you mentioned earlier, by happier people who therefore want to make it work. You know, people say, but if you let them work anywhere and take as much holiday as they want, do you lose control? Well, no, because our culture is so strong and everyone's enjoying their work. Everybody wants to come to the office and they want to support the team that they're in. Well, stand by to receive my application form, uh, Mimi. Um, it's, certainly been, <laughs> it's certainly been good talking to you, and it's a, it's a fascinating subject matter. It's all around empathy. Mimi Nicklin there, CEO of Freedom, author of Softening the Edge. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for having me. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.